Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the media tab. Thank you and God bless. That was different. It's like, where is this going? And I loved it. This morning, I, I, I want to share with you from last week as we received faith promise pledges. Uh, just, just phenomenal. We have increased our pledging. We didn't do this last year. Weren't able to do it last year. But people remain faithful. and We, are, we can't even begin to <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> express our gratitude for that. But <laughs> over, we have increased our faith promises from 2019 by over $500 a month which means that we have close to $22,000 pledged for this year to go to missionaries to support them on the field. That, that, that's, wow. That, that's part of the, the, the praise report of God's faithfulness. God is an awesome God, and he's doing some awesome things. You know what bothers me the most? is to watch believers struggle, to watch them go through self-doubt and dismay, to watch them as they step into scenarios of life and their past haunts them, or they feel the level of inadequacy of being a Christian. So they end up just giving up. They end up in a place of disillusionment. They end up in, 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 in a place where, yeah, they believe, but it's, it's just let me you know, get by because I can't do this. And, and you know as well as I do, I've shared on this kind of an, an understanding from years ago how I came into that revelation for myself that I gave up, right? I, I quit, I said, I can't do this. I kept trying to live for God, and I finally said, I'm not doing it anymore. I stopped, and I started living from him instead. And that was a huge changeover. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning has to do with something I call the process. The process of your life, your journey. The process and understanding salvation. I'm going to give you a hope and understanding on salvation that you're not used to. We, we have this thinking in our head that we have been taught in many ways that sticks us in a position of vulnerableness where the enemy is able to come in and rip you apart because of it. And as a result of that, he shuts you down, he shuts you up, you never grow from there, you never step up from there, you don't know another level, because we don't understand our salvation. So let, let me go ahead with this, and, and I want to share some words, first of all, that you have there in your notes that we'll be following today. And, and I want to just touch base on this as we... Whew, sorry, I'm just feeling him. I'm just... <laughs> so he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you... Everybody say it which 
How many have? <laughs> we won't go there. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, how many know that soul is different from spirit? I mean, the Word of God is able to divide, you know, as a two-edged sword between spirit and soul, you know, moral, 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 <laughs> oh, forget it. I'll leave the doctors handle this one. But, but, but the end result is your spirit is who you are, correct? That's the eternal part of you. Your body that you have right now, look, look, look at your, your, your neighbor and tell him your body is under the curse. And you can tell him back, tell me something I don't know, okay? But, but, but the truth of the matter is, our spirits are what's eternal. That's why one day we're going to have a what? New body. When we die, which is appointed unto man uh, once to die, what happens is our spirits go with him, meet with him in a place we call heaven, and we are spirit recognizable with him who is spirit. And, uh, and there's so much more. But the, what's going to happen then is one day, I don't care where your molecules are. I don't care if, if you disintegrated in 9-11 in, in the Twin Towers, if you were rotted into the sea, or whether you've become dust in some graveyard someplace or if you've become a crispy critter. This earth is going to have to give up your molecules. And they're going to come together with your spirit again. And you're going to have a new body. Guess what? I won't be wearing glasses. Guess what? My hair won't be gray. Guess what? I will have hair. And I am convinced I'll be skinny. And everybody said, but here's the thing. Spirit and soul are two different things. Your soul is primarily what we would call your flesh. It's, it's your mind at work. And how many know your mind and your spirit don't always come together? Okay? So it, it, in that being said... Understand, it's not your soul that's eternal, it's your spirit that's eternal. Does that make sense? Okay, and, 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 and that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's why when the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first. But I thought we were already there. You are. What's dead? Your body. Your spirit's alive because he made you alive. So you're not dead in him, you're alive with him. But what is dead I'm getting excited. Amen? I mean, do, do I, am I looking forward to going to heaven? You betcha. It's just not right now. Because I believe God's got heaven on earth as well. And, and, and there's more to this life. That's why I'm wanting to bring this. Because what's happening is we need to understand that what Christ has done for us is worked out in a process. It's worked out in a process we call renewal. Renewal. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, renewal. Uh-huh. But here's the issue. The issue is we fall into one of two categories called renewal or condemnation. Guess which is the heaviest category amongst most believers? You betcha. It's under condemnation. Even though we preach it all the time, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in what? Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, I know the NIV doesn't say right there in verse 1 of chapter 8, but it will a little bit further down. You know, I'm not arguing semantics right here, but I can tell you they put it in because that's the implication of it. Who do not walk according to the Spirit, but according to the... I'm sorry, got that backwards. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that's huge. Because the majority of believers are indeed still walking according to the flesh because that's where they've settled. That's where they've gone with their understanding of even what it means to be a Christian in this thing called salvation. And so we end up falling in, we fall into this, this without understanding aspect. In fact, take a look at those next two verses. It says in Proverbs 4, get wisdom, get understanding. It, it doesn't come to you osmosisly, okay? It's not in the air. Oh, I have understanding. No. You've got bad sinuses. And it says, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. It says in verse 7 there, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Isn't it James who reminds us that if anybody lacks wisdom... We ask him, and he gives it how much? In little increments? No, abundantly. There's no reason for us not to be wise. None whatsoever, unless we're not praying for it. There's an interesting word, prayer. Look at Proverbs 10. It says, the lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools die for lack of what? Doesn't say opinions doesn't say editorials, doesn't say attitudes, it says wisdom. And unfortunately, I think a lot of believers are, are acting on walking in opinions. Doctrines, theology, whatever you want to call it, but there's an attitude, there's an air. My goodness, have you ever watched churches that battle each other because this one's Methodist and this one's Presbyterian, or this one's Baptist and this one's Pentecostal? And I mean, there's just this, this fight that should never, ever be a part of, of any of God's children in my book. I, I just gave you an opinion. Whoops. But, but here, here's the thing. You and I came to Christ, and the majority of us did so out of something that's called crisis. Our life was in a mess. Issues have taken place. I've been about as empty as I could, and I realized that, that it wasn't working for me. And as a result, I looked to him and said, Jesus, come into my life. Now, I know what it's like to also be that person 
who stands there and says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do it, I don't want, I don't want no you know, crutch in my life, I'm going to make it work. And, and how many knows <laughs> it doesn't work? You can try all you want, you can even do a pretty good job, but I can tell you what's going to end up in the end results. Oh, miserable one. Because when we battle against what is something called truth, we lose every time. But here's the problem. And that is what we overlook. And that is the process of salvation. It's called the process of salvation. Look, we come to Christ. We say the the sinner's prayer. And what's supposed to happen? (laughs) We become whole. There's no problems, right? Our desires that that are old, they're gone. They're not there anymore. I've I've been delivered from things. I've got these hindrances in my life. Things I want to get rid of. I know they're not right. I've got garbage. I've got junk. I've got habits. So I, I come to Jesus, right? If I come to Jesus, then I get a whole new set of desires, you know, over, over, over old habits and, 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 and all my, you know, it's, it's just a, guess what? We end up falling flat on our face. It doesn't seem like anything works. We, we cry to Jesus, ah, Jesus, change me, and I don't get changed. Seems like it increases even more. Oh, but if any man be found in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Nothing. And what we end up realizing is we have inability to make this work. And what's uh, the, what's, our, what's our response to that? Our response is very simply guilt, condemnation, questioning. And we're always looking. We're, our eyes are always fixed on performance. How we're doing. When we're not doing very well, we come to church and we, we rededicate our lives. And, 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 and then we come to church the next week and we rededicate our dedicated lives. And, and then we rededicate our rededicated, rededicated lives. I used to be that, that person who every Sunday, okay, 52 Sundays a year, came to the altar to get saved. I won't do it again, God. I promise I'll never, I will not eat spare ribs, God. I promise. And sure enough, by Wednesday, I was eating spare ribs. But, but I just wonder how many people sit at home disillusioned. You know, our concept of sin is, is almost completely limited to the sins that are connected to the body. And, and, and there's much more on top of that as well. I mean, we think of the actions, the actions, the actions, the minds, the thoughts, the, the, the habits, the sexualness, the pride, all that stuff that's associated with it. Give me an hour on this stuff. But becoming a believer, yes, a new creation, it, it's, what happens to us is, is that it's understood. Salvation seems to be understood as being delivered from these sins. 
And sins, friend, <clears throat> how many remember, is not an action. It's what? It's a condition. It's what the condition you were born into, just like you were born into the condition of being Italian, right? So, so understand this. Please be aware. And, 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 and let me just tell you right now, what, I've seen God deliver people upon salvation. Boom, done, over. Uh, it does, and, and, and it can happen. But that's not the majority of the time. Something's not wrong with you if that hasn't happened to you. Hello? You need to understand this, that the real business of salvation is the healing of the inner person. Would you please grab that, hold that, understand that, not base your life and outcomes and everything else on, on, on your condition. Your condition has saved, been saved from being that of the condition of sin to now joined with him. But there's a lot of other stuff that needs to be taking place that we call or will take place that's called process. But when we put it on ourselves to do that process, we miss out on what he's got. So, so let me continue with this and very simply put it this way. That last part right there in your notes and on the screen. Being delivered is not the object of, but the, of salvation, but the process of salvation. It's, 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 that, that's exactly what it is. In fact, it's postscript to what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 there. He says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Can somebody say amen to that? Oh, man. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm clean. I've had a bath. I smell good. Okay, we'll leave it there. But, but I'm just going to put it out to you, friend, because Jesus can deliver us from the habits of the flesh in a moment of time. Yes, he can. But the renovation of a life that produced those habits takes a lot longer. And what we have to do is we have to learn to live out Christ in our everyday life. It's, it's in working out our union with Christ that we become the whole person that God intends for us. To take a look at the scripture there in Luke chapter 4, it says, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. Oh, I'm sorry. He, he, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those people. He's announcing to them and to us, listen, that he has called us out of our past to become whole. He has called you out of that mess, out of that scenario, out of that situation, out of that death to become whole, to become alive, 
to become what he purposed you to be when he created you. He came that we might be raised from the dead now. Not so we can just stagger into heaven and say, I've made it, glory to God. I remember those. I remember those testimony services. That's what we used to have when I was a kid, especially on Sunday night. You know, when the pastor had to fill an extra room here or something. And he, he was there. Who has a testimony tonight? I thank God that he saved me 30 years ago. Woo! How about today? <clears throat> That's why I'm saying, <clears throat> we just, but they'd always finish it off with, please pray for me that I can make it one more day. Oh, yes, hallelujah, Lord. Keep, Lord. And no, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. Let him understand the knowledge of your will. He has been saved by the grace of God. He's been given Christ's righteousness. He has pulled him up out of the past to make him whole. Will that, make, will that mean that he will never do anything wrong? No, he's learning. Hello? Do you do everything right? Never mind. I'm, I'm not even, what's the sense? I understand that whenever we accept Christ, we do become new creations, okay? That doesn't mean that you do every, that, you know, you, you look in the mirror and say, well, I just see the same old thing. Well, of course you see the same old thing. Because you is the same old thing. What you can't see is what the new creation is. And you've heard me talk about it from, from 1 John and how he talks about the reality that <laughs> to any man who is in Christ, well, that, no, that's not, I'm sorry, 1 John, where, no, I'm not going to go to it. Let me just say it this way. That his seed remains in us. His seed is in us. 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 talks about we have made, been made one spirit with him. What you need to understand is, is that word seed in 1 John there when he talks about that seed. Because it begins to talk about, you know, if any man is, is, is there in Christ, that he cannot sin. If, God, if Christ is in me, and I look at my life this past week, then there's a conflict here. How many here can, can honestly say, I, I sinned last week? How, I better, how many can sit here and say, I didn't sin last week? Because if you do, I'm going to tell you what well, you just did now. Liar, liar, liar. What is sin? Sin is a condition. It is acting. It is living independent of him. And I do that from time to time. I need to know more of his awareness, his presence. I agree. I'm still growing there. But the fact of the matter is, John's gospel there, his epistle, says that if, 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 if Christ, then I cannot sin. What is it saying? It's saying that the old me that died, not the new creation, but the old me that which was born into sin, 
whose condition was sin, independence of God, living apart from him, for all have sinned and come short of the glory, failing to be united with him. As a result, that's the way I live my life, independent of him. But now I'm a new creation. And that's a whole different ballgame. Let me explain that one to you in the Greek sometime. That word new. But the reality of that is, is that I become a new creation in that his seed is within. What does that mean? Seed. Well, it's, it's the word there in, 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 the, in the Greek, which we get our word uh, seed. <laughs> but it's called sperma in the Greek, which is where we get our word sperm. So understand something about that. He's saying within you is his sperma that has joined to you. That means that you and him have become one. His sperma is within you. His seed is within you. That means if you know anything about sperm and the egg, and the, you carry a DNA. That's how you're identified. Well, his sperma is within you, so his DNA is with your DNA, which means what? You are indeed recognizable to a DNA test sometimes. You are a child of God. So, so within that, an understanding that he, he has called us out of our past, into we, whenever we accept Christ, we do become new creations. Well, then why do I keep messing up? Because you're a mess up, that's why. That's, our, that, that's the human race in a fallen state. Because the truth is, when you mess up, it grabs you inside and says, I messed up, I blew it. You know what that tells me? It tells me you're alive. It tells me that your DNA has changed. Because if it wasn't, you'd be, you wouldn't even care. Uh, well, no big deal. They have to deal with it. This scenario, that's, it doesn't bother you. But now, you're alive. Look, the conflict of being torn between our true selves and the flesh, it, it's hard. But remember, remember, he not only has given us pardon from sin, but he himself has become the source of our new life. That is something to absorb. Look, take a look at Matthew 28 again because of, of, of what it says. It, it's, it's huge. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and will find rest for your souls. Look, what I want to do is, is, is I, I, want, I want to give you three things from that, 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 those first two verses, first part of 29. I want to give you three things here to understand. The first thing that he talks about is coming to him. And that's what we've been talking about here in this first beginning part called an introduction that now I only have two hours left of the message. <laughs> come to him. The first step is to come to him. And again, 
We normally come, in, come to him out of crisis, yes. But no matter how he moves in our lives, no matter what it is that's bringing us or, or, or exhorting us or convicting us, we come to him because he still is the answer. So, so then the, the number two, first is coming to him. Second of all, he says to us to take of his yoke. Take the yoke. Now, that's an interesting statement because if you go back, you can take a look. That was, that, that was initiating back in Jesus' day. When he said that, they totally got what he was saying because it was initiating someone into a religious order. That was called a yoking. And, and it meant to take upon the burden, take upon the yoke, take upon the law of Moses, dedicate yourself then to keeping that. That was the idea of it. Here Jesus, he says, take whose yoke? My yoke. Huge. You, you are initiated, in other words, into his very life. That's the yoke that we take up. We're not taking up a burden. We're not taking up a struggle. We're not taking up a leadership position. We're, we're taking up that which initiates us into his very life. Because it was already his that he was already carrying. The yoke that was dependent upon his Father. So let me sum it up that way. It is Jesus who calls us to himself so that we can participate of his life, which is dependent upon Father for life. Understand how that works together. It's not a struggle in order to keep some rules someplace or a struggle to keep the commands. But what did Jesus say? It was easy and it was light. Tech today. You love, you love the smart stuff? You know, the phones, I got the, the watch, I, it just, it's so smart. It'll, it'll tell me what the barometric pressure is outside, whether it's going up, whether it's coming down. I got it sitting on my desk, I got it on my phone. It, it pops up on my calendar, on my computer. You know, I'm always aware of the barometric pressure. So what? You know? <laughs> But the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> that's how I work when it comes to being yoked to Christ. For, for when that barometric pressure begins to sink and it becomes rough outside or it becomes rough in my life, I know that's not God. It tells me that what I'm dealing with is not God because his burden, it's easy. It's light. This is, this is not a yoke. This is not a, a burden that is of him. You know, let, let me say something here. It's interesting how we come to Christ with this belief system. How we look at things. Our belief system comes out of how we've been influenced. How you grew up as a kid... And, and the people that were around you, 
that influenced you, that, that taught you that this is the truth. Sometimes, sometimes we've got to break free from some of those what I would call burden, bondage-driven influences. Hello? And we need to realize, and I believe this wholeheartedly, we need to realize God for ourselves. Not God under an influence that we grew up under, so we have a belief system, so that believers are supposed to do this and not do that and have all these other things, and as a result, fail miserably and everything else and walk away from it and say, Christ doesn't work, it's not real, it was good for my parents, it was a crutch for them, but it's not my life. You know, it's all this and everything else, so we keep from coming a believer because of all these influence, this belief system that we have. And it's as empty as the day is long as it's false as the day is long. He got quiet real quick. But it's the truth. We, we believe certain things. The way we believe them is what we allow to influence us. Oh, I could go off on a dark hole there. But we see culture continuing to be influenced to develop a belief system that, he, that it has. And so as a result, it demands that certain way of thinking. And what comes out of that thinking are choices that produce outcomes. And we see it in our culture all around us today. But we also see it in people, quote, who are believers. I like to ask people sometimes, who taught you that? Where did you come up with that? How, how, how do we know that's truth? What does the Bible have to say about it? How does that rest in your spirit? Or is it just an argument in your mind? Because when our belief systems are challenged, whatever you do, don't go to Iran and, and, and challenge the idea, huh? You see, what I'm saying is the influence. Now, don't misunderstand me. You, you can't learn your way into salvation. Hello? You are saved by coming to and calling on Him, period. But if we come to Him and then we don't listen to His healing word that is in our spirit, the rest of His promises will not become ours. Hello? And you'll be one, one of those people who I, I classify as a miserable believer. Anybody know anybody like that? And do me a favor, when you lift your hand, do not turn and look at your person beside you. Because we have all these, these belief systems. The only problem is we're not listening to the Spirit. He is the teacher to begin with. He's the one who will influence you as you walk through this. He is the one who leads us and guides us and assures us. He's the one that's joined to us. But what we end up doing is, is, is again, not really listening to him, but to every other voice that's out there that produces a point in our lives where we become stuck and stagnant and miserable. I wanted to sound like an Italian there for a minute. What we find ourselves doing and becoming is a person who's on a religious treadmill trying to make this life work 
within the old process of thinking. Hello? How many know treadmills are, are the only thing they're good for is hanging your clothes on them? See, here's what we end up doing. We try to make the rest, quote, quote, happen. We try to make the R-E-S-T happen in our lives. So we'll work in order to find rest. Let me tell you something. There's a huge difference between rededicating your life and submitting to him as he speaks within us by his spirit. Romans 12, 2 says what? You got it right in front of you. It says, it doesn't say? It does, is it in your notes? You try to be so prepared, you know, and I just blow it sometimes. Do not be conformed to this world, so we struggle. We're going to be different. We set up barriers, borders, and we set up other barriers and borders to make sure that we don't cross the other barrier and border, and to make sure we won't cross that barrier and border to keep us from the other barrier and border, we create more barrier and borders. So we come up with something like 2,000 plus rules, about 2,300 rules, then we can call ourselves Pharisees because that's what they did. They built up fences and walls called rules and regulations to keep them from getting near to breaking the Ten Commandments. Now, that's a whole other story, a whole other lesson on how they came about because they were tremendous adversaries during their dispulsion from Israel. But, but enough to say this. Notice that it goes on to say but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Renew, 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 renew. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's huge. Renewed, I guess the best way to explain it to you would mean renovated. Say that with me. Renovated. Get your mind renovated. But remember... In order to renovate, if you're going to renovate a room at home, what do you got to do first? Tear it down to build it up. Absolutely. That's the whole point. If you're going to renew your mind, that means you've got to tear down the old aspect of it. <clears throat> so let me just say, he wants to make us whole, to see us at our fullest potential. And he works within us to tear down all that we believe to be the meaning of life in order to rebuild us as a foundation of truth that is in him. That's a mouthful. And I hope you grab it because it takes you from the beginning to the end. He's working within us to tear down that which we believe to be the meaning of life in order to rebuild us a foundation of truth truth that is in him the wise man built his house upon the rock the wise man built the foolish man built his house upon and the rains came tumbling down the rains came down and washed away 
Somebody pray for me. <clears throat> but, but, but I'll say it again. That what that point simply is saying, understand this, this doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lifetime. Hello, somebody. That's the old song that Gaithers used to say. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Somebody pray for me, please. So, so understand, and this, I love this. I, I smiled to God when I wrote it down. That lifetime, that, that, that getting to that place, that God continually working in me is not a result of a prayer line, but continued prayer time. Oh, man, write that on the back of your neighbor's head that's sitting in front of you. God working on us, in us, through us, is not a result of a prayer line. Some people looking at, you know, come up and get prayed for. Bam, boom, down. Oh, oh, thank you. Get up. Hallelujah. Go out. The only thing that actually took place is you became a speed bump for God. When you need to be a warrior, an overcomer, a transformer, and you don't get there overnight. You come up through the process that began in salvation that healed your inner person. Hello? So, 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 so grab this because so much of the hurts and the problems of our past. Hello? We try to pretend we're okay. We try to pretend we don't have any old desires. We try to pretend that our life is hunky-dory, wonderful. You be a greeter and usher at the door and watch as people come in and they say, how you doing? Oh, we're super. God's so good. It's wonderful. And it's hell at home. Okay. And so we just try to work through them, right? Gloss over them, bury them. Let me tell you something. You, you know this, but I'm going to tell it to you again. The word saved also means healed. It means healing from sickness. They're, they're the same word, sozo. You just, it's, they're interchangeable. But when we deny, when we deny and, and gloss over it, bury it, try to pretend, try to do it in our own strength, what we do is we put a band-aid of religion activity on and the hurt just festers underneath it while the healing process is totally neglected. God can't take from you what you won't let go of. And, and the truth of the matter is, you keep walking around holding on when God is asking you to just simply release. You know, take, take, take a look at Ephesians. It says this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. This is huge because Paul 
saw his readers as being in the process of becoming the people that God had intended them to be, and they were only living at half their potential. He only saw them lead, lead, he saw where God wanted to have them, but he saw them living at half of their potential. And so he begins to exhort them with things like, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling. Take a look at Colossians here. In verse 9 it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I pray these things all the time. I pray them over you. And you need to be praying them over me. I used to call you, I used to call you atomic bombs, living a firecracker life, where you're supposed to be this boom, you're pop. (laughs) (coughs) Paul's writing and he's saying they, they were only half aware of what was theirs as believers. Half aware as believers. What was theirs? They had to be taught. Hello. It just doesn't come oh, naturally, right? You don't go out in the field someday and, and you have a vision of an angel, right? And, and, and so you've been fasting 90 days. And, and, and all this. You don't, no, 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 no. You're taught. What did he say? Learn of me. Just being born again, as Paul wrote to these people, he knew that just being born again didn't catapult them into everything God had planned for them. We think we've got to work at this and work at that and work. No, 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 no. please. It, it, the Bible calls for wisdom. It calls for understanding. And don't one of you let the enemy rob you that you're not smart enough. I got news for you. If you can steam up a mirror, you're smart enough for God to teach you. There is nothing He wants to withhold from you. There is nothing that negates or eclipses what He has planned for you. You are not called to occupy some cushy little pew on a Sunday morning. God's got so much more in store for your life. So much more that he has for you to do. So much more that he has for you to impact the world around you. I think I'm yelling. I apologize. I get excited about stuff like this. And, 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 and I'll just say it. He, he, Paul knew that it must be Jesus himself who would teach them. So he didn't suggest some book some CD, some YouTube channel. He didn't instant message some, some, some person that is a snippet from something else. Hey, no, 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 no. He prayed that the Holy Spirit would accomplish the work. Hello? Friend, friend we are truly born again when we receive Christ 
as our Lord and Savior. We are authentic believers. But we've got to have our eyes opened. It would scare me right now if you turned to somebody and they had their eyes closed. <laughs> but we've got to have our eyes opened. We must be taught. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. We must be taught. And, and I'm here to tell you, only the Lord Jesus can do this. I appreciate pastors, preachers, prophets. I, I appreciate those exhorters who are out there who continue to teach us on all different levels as well. But the bottom line is, only Jesus can teach us. Whether it's through him, whether it's through that video, whether it's through that, Jesus teaches us. He has taught me as I've watched dog food commercials. That's a trip. He's taught me when I sat down. And, and he brings to remembrance. He's taught me as I've talked to Alexa. Then you know it's God, okay? But, but, but each of us has to find our true identity from and in Him. I'm here to tell you this morning we can put away condemnation and we can live joyfully in the process of salvation. How many know the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy? And, but I have come, he says, that they may have life and that they may have it. He has come, friend. He has come. And, and not just to give you, you know, the ability to breathe, to have life. But that word abundantly means super abundant. It means excessive. You know, like that bag of potato chips. I'm not going to ever preach a message without food being mentioned, so you might as well forget about it. But we sit down with a bag of chips to just have a couple, and what do we do? <gasps> it's gone. Well, they sure don't put as much as they used to in these things, do they? We've just eaten in excess. You got life, but you got life in excess. It, it also means, get this, violent. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I've got a violent life. Because that's exactly what you got in Christ. You are more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror. You, you're an ADD conqueror. In, in other words, you're, 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 you're hyper. That's what the word more than means. Hyper. So you're a hyper conqueror. You conquer, 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 conquer. And when the, when the enemy's being blown because here you are there, but you conquer, and then all of a sudden you're over there, and then you're over there, just constantly. Would you stop the devil's going? Because that's who you are. He has come that you might have violent life. Take back that which has been stolen. Put the enemy back in his place because he has no more authority over you. Can somebody say Amen. 
You want to know what else abundant means? Uncommon. Uncommon. Your life is uncommon. It's not natural. It's not natural to this world. It's not natural to the way this world operates, to the worldviews. It's not natural. It's uncommon. That's because you are in this world, but you're not of it. So, come to him. Lord of mercy, I preached a long time today. Well, don't encourage me. Come, come to him. Take his yoke. Learn of him. Learn of his grace. Learn of his promises. Stand with me. Learn of him. Learn of his peace. Learn of his goodness. Learn of him. As Paul prayed that you would have a revelation of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn of him. Learn of his presence, his peace. Learn of his faithfulness. This is a video. So understand there's some applauding, but I love this music. Sing it with them. Great is thy faith.